monsters and ghosts to otherworldly beings. Join the explorers as they venture into the darkest realm seeking the truth to what goes bump in the night. Well, good evening and welcome to Explorers Seekers of the Truth, episode 26. Tonight, as always, I am Chad Charlesworth, and I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Lesson Cabbage. So how you doing tonight, buddy? Uh, good, good, actually, considering. Uh, thank you for asking. How are you? Um, let's see. We have had, like, what, five deaths of pretty important people in the last since saturday <laughs> friday night um you know like i was actually telling less before we came on air i killed in in what my story will be a king cobra copperhead hybrid last night um it, it was hanging on my wall when i came home from the gym outside my house i'm walking up to the front door and i see something hanging on the wall so i realized quickly it was a snake hanging on the wall and proceeded to stand there and look at it until my wife could run out with the hoe. Of course, I asked her to shovel. I got the hoe. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I took it off the wall with the hoe and, and chopped off its head. And, you know, I don't I'm not afraid of snakes. I just don't like snakes, mm. especially, you know, snakes that are you know looking at me like I look tasty. So. <laughs> Besides that, I guess I'm okay. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I had a bit of a a, a frantic uh, pre-show day, which is not, you know, it seems to be a reoccurring theme for me. It's, I'm always running late or something's going on, but my one monitor took a crap on me, and I had to run in the house and grab one of two that we have in a spare room. And luckily, one worked, so we're up and running. We're operational, thank God. Yeah, but, that's uh, great. Yeah, so with that being said, well, I guess I could do my my normal uh, agenda thing there. Yeah, go so, ahead. For anybody who wants to get in touch with us, you could go to our website, www.explorersgroup.com. We are on Twitter, at Explorers Group. We're on Facebook, obviously, at facebook.com backslash Explorers Group. You could reach us there. You can reach us online, uh, on our website wherever wherever you want if you have a story that you want to share or maybe a topic you'd like for us to discuss reach out and let us know and we'd be more than happy to uh review it and review your request and if it fits the criteria we'd, we'd we'll make a show out of it so uh yeah get get in touch with us there yeah That's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah um i also want to update everybody about our king of the cryptid tournament where i kind of Forgot about it last week because we had Linda Godfrey on. Uh, Sasquatch won in a landslide. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very surprised by the results. I kind of actually was betting on Patty or the Loch Ness Monster to win. But, you know, I've been wrong before. But, well, you know, so. I had, I had my money on the Squatch. Well, I, I just thought Patty would win because it's more of an iconic Bigfoot creature. Right, right. That, you know, is more, you know more i guess more people got into bigfoot or interested in bigfoot because of patty than just the generic or and i don't want to be mean and say generic term but the term sasquatch mm -hmm. so i really just thought you know patty might have had a better chance or the loch ness monster right. so 
you know, that's what I kind of was thinking. And, you know, Sasquatch won, which is really cool. We are probably going to do that again next year. So we'll have some fun with it. We'll probably run some other little bracket polls throughout the year. We have a special one that will probably pop up around summertime. And we'll, uh, you know, lay that out for everybody. Hey, welcome. Oh, yeah. Brenda from Ireland. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for the kind words. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, and I, and I kind of, you know, I had posted, you know, about our Bell's passing and, you know, Les and I kind of talked a little bit this week. We were both very busy, so we didn't really get to talk a lot about it. And I read something and, and it was kind of one of those things where I could tell the person that that posted the question was kind of trolling people, mm-hmm. but they had asked, like, what Art Bell did that was so great. And what did he do? Well, the thing is, he helped foster, you know, paranormal cryptozoology, ufology, you know, even conspiracy, as much as we don't cover that stuff. You know, he helped foster this. And, and, you know, for people that understand the history of radio, Art Bell wasn't the first person to do a show like that, that he was doing. But he was the one who got people on and gave them a platform to speak on their point of view. Whether he agreed with it, disagreed with it, he allowed them to speak. And, you know, he would ask questions at times. And some people, you know, sometimes he went soft on people and didn't really go for the kill. And, you know, there was times where he cut interviews short and just was like, okay, I'll talk, you know, thank you for coming on and, you know, see you later. Because he didn't, you know, at a certain point, the the viewpoint became extremist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was one thing Art did. You know, for me doing this and and like I had posted, you know, this he was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in, you know, my feelings on radio or, or any of this, you know, podcasting or anything like that. You know, my real inspirations are guys like Art Bell, um, Opie and Anthony, as much as we're not doing the shock jockey stuff, a lot of, you know, my one, this has come from people like Art and, and Opie and Anthony, you know, so it's one of those things like when people post stuff and, you know, what did somebody, you know, what did they contribute? Well, they created an open forum for us, you know, for us to do this. You know, if it wasn't for people like Art Bell, you know, coming on and opening a show up and saying, look, we're going to talk about the Mothman. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about Dogman. We're going to talk about Bigfoot. We're going to talk about ghosts. We're going to talk to, you know, George Lutz and, and people who were, you know, whether you believe the Lutz family story or not, people who were involved in, uh, you know, alleged paranormal. And we got a window that, you know, we would never have had if it wasn't for somebody like Art. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of George Norrie. Uh, I'm no longer a big fan of Coast to Coast. But I still, to this day, will listen to old Art Bell interviews on YouTube you know, or on somewhere in time when they run it through coast to coast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really that's, you know, something that made me want to be here doing this was he, he was one of those people that, you know, has given me an idea and a passion for doing this. So, 
you know, however, you know, however you knew him or however he touched you, I think we're all lucky to have had somebody like that, you know, that has helped create what we're doing and has shown the mainstream that we are not all crazy tinfoil hat wearing people holed up in a trailer somewhere in the mountains. We're actually professional people, doctors and lawyers and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, even ditch diggers. You know, we all, as security guards, whatever, we all enjoyed something about that show. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was, you know, kind of a tribute, you know, on my part to Art, you know, and what he gave us. So we want to get into tonight's topic, though. I don't want to sit here and, and just drone on about something. So No, no, he was, he, he, was a, he was a great entertainer, and he was very knowledgeable. I mean, I think he, he deserves a, a spot, you know, to, to have his, for lack of better terms, his legacy, you know, uh complimented and remembered so no you you didn't drag anything on buddy that was that was good that was very nice so you want to talk about tonight's topic because it's ironic that sasquatch won the 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 monster madness yeah that's actually king of the cryptid excuse me i'm sorry that's right yeah that's right yeah we we can't say monster or we can't say madness because that with another m in front of it becomes a completely crazy lawsuit but yeah. King in the cryptids. King in the cryptids. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so our topic tonight, let's just, you know, Sasquatch did win. That's kind of why I, I came in with the whole, you know, remembering that part of it. So mm-hmm. you want to, uh, you want to do the honors and address the topic for this evening? You can. I'm just kidding. I'll do it. That's fine. <laughs> well, <Tonight's> okay. <laughs> tonight, episode 26. Tonight's episode, we're titling Squatch on the Farm. Because tonight's uh, topic is obviously about Sasquatch, but it's more of personal uh, experiences that I, my family, Chad, and other people uh, that lived near me at the time had experienced. And it's basically more or less talking about the property where I had lived previously to where I am now. It, it's not far from here um literally 10 minutes down the road we were renting a farmhouse outside of town that was on 150 private acres and um it was a beautiful area the front the front yard was like the size of two football fields there was a a horse pasture uh a little glen down by the the barn there were uh three ponds one was a fishing pond one was a, a natural fed spring um and the other was a swimming pond and there were 150 acres surrounding the the property that were wooded the whole property was backed up to the to the broad mountain and uh it was beautiful because you could see the rocky outcrops from the glacier stone that when you when you would look up at the mountain but point of that is um the area that we lived in obviously we were on a farm and all the neighboring areas were heavily are heavily farmed by the local farmers so there's an abundance of food sources. You're backed up right to the mountain, which behind that goes right into a, a small town. But then beyond that is just vast stretches of wilderness. So uh, as we start talking about some of these stories, um, just keep in mind that, you know, the area is very, ha- has high potential for the possibility of a Sasquatch to to inhabit 
Uh, like I said, you have the, the farms that provide food, the fishing ponds on the property were, were always stocked with huge, large carp, which are going to be an integral part of tonight's story, uh, as well as other fish. Uh, so you had th- those kind of proteins available. There were all kind of uh, fruit-bearing trees and bushes on the property as well. Pear, apple, elderberry, blueberry, uh, raspberries grew down there, blackberries grew down there, you know, everything. And then, like I said, it backed up to the mountain. So on the top of the mountain, you had a lot of the old uh, glacier deposits from when the Ice Age, when the glacier was coming through back in the time of the Ice Age. This area of Pennsylvania is riddled with with that those uh, deposits. So and they're not just like rocks they're huge massive like as the size of the house of a house boulders uh and they're all stacked on top of each other and they all have little caves and crevasses and outcrops and everything else that you can imagine for these creatures as well as other like bear and other animals that could all uh you know stay in there and and live and survive so we're going to talk a lot about some of the experiences that I had, like I said, Chad uh, joined me in a few of them. Um, some of it's Bigfoot. Most of it is Bigfoot. Some of it is is paranormal, but it all kind of, hey, Ricky, thanks for joining in. But there's a, there's a lot of uh, correlation to this. So I'm going to start from what I would consider the beginning when we first moved in, some of the first things we'd experienced. We were there for almost 10 years, uh, and then we moved uh, two years ago. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll kind of walk down memory lane that way. Is there anything you wanted to add there, buddy? Uh, yeah, I, there is, I think, some short video clips neither on our Facebook or on our YouTube page and on our website then mm-hmm. um, of some of the areas up on the mountain, a little bit higher up from the, the actual house and the ponds and stuff like that. Yep. And you can see, I mean, there is plenty of berries and, you know, food sources. And also, when you're in this area, yes, there are, like, roadways that cross through here. But they're not, for the most part, they're not highways. They're not four or five lanes. It would be a very, you know, two-lane road. Mm-hmm. And you could cross those roads and be in, you know, 20 miles of woods with you know lakes and you know creeks and stuff like that crossing through those woods so i mean you could basically travel probably 20 or 30 miles in most directions and basically be in relatively dense wilderness wood wooded areas so just to give you a little more idea on the area i didn't you know think less than a good job describing it but i just wanted to kind of point that out that's that's a very good because we're in the Poconos of Pennsylvania in the Poconos uh, area, I guess. I don't know what the, the Poconos, I guess it's commonly known. I don't know. But uh, we're on the lower end, the southern end of the Poconos or what would be considered the Poconos. But nonetheless, uh, like Chad said, too, there there are some major highways that run through, but the majority of it are just small two lane roads, small back roads, some dirt roads like it's it's pretty rural. And, and, and I love it, you know. But uh, I have a picture that I'll bring up here quick of the property. Um, bring that up. So this this is a view from the far corner. This is going like it's a quarter mile from the house up to the road, just about a quarter mile. And this is from the far corner of my yard or what was my yard. And that's our, our, our old house. And then back behind the house, it, it kind of rolls backwards. And this is like a... 
this is just a very small, small picture. If I did a panoramic, if I were able to do that, uh, you would see how it's, it's just a huge piece of property. But as it rolls down back behind the house, it goes into a little gr- a glen. There's a creek that runs through there. And then there's the ponds. There's a pavilion for picnicking. And then there's a large section of flat forest. And then it goes back up into the mountain. But uh, this is just an idea of what it was like. So, like I said, very rural. It's on 150 private acres. It, it was beautiful. We We truly loved living there. But it just got to the point where... Uh, the house got way too small because my family was growing larger and we wanted something of our own. We we wanted to be able to customize and, and make rooms for our daughters that were suited to their personalities. And as much as our landlord was absolutely wonderful, we weren't allowed to paint or change anything. And we wanted something to, to call our own, you know, now with another, another little girl on the way, you know, it's glad that we did get the hell out of there because I don't know where I would put another kid in that tiny little house. But uh, anyway, so that just gives you an idea of what the property looked like. Yeah. So, yes, folks, Lesh just announced that him and his wife are expecting another child. So yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is little girl number three. So <laughs> I'm totally outnumbered. <laughs> I, I'm so totally hoping for a velociraptor. <laughs> but, you know, I guess a, a little girl will be great. I'll have another niece. Yeah, so. That's right. yeah. Yeah, I just wanted a Velociraptor this time, but I mean, it's funny that you know you and I were best friends, and all we produce is girls. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it's easier until they hit teenage years. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm dreading uh, the teenage years when they're all in sync and yeah, that that bad bad '90s band that you love so much. Yeah, in sync. Yeah. But honestly, I, I, uh, the thing that's going to, I think, hurt me the most right now, I am like, like a God to my kids for lack of better terms. Like my girls, like they look up to me, they want to be with me all the time. They fight who, you know, over who gets to sit by, uh, dad and stuff like that. So, uh, it's going to kill me when they grow up and, uh not want dad to be their hero anymore but uh but anyway moving along so i'm going to start in uh the beginning of when we had first moved in um like i said we we, we, i guess we moved in back around 2008 uh the property was all brand new to us you know obviously it was you know such an experience to go around and and you know look at all the, the the trails that were through the woods and whatnot it was really great and and during the day it was such a beautiful piece of property. But what was always weird, thank you, Cleo. Um, what was always weird is, is at night, the property kind of took on a more ominous, uh, very dark. I, I don't, I don't know how to really explain it. It just, it, it was different. Like during the day, it was it was very serene and beautiful and everything. But as soon as the sun goes down, it was almost like it took on a new face. And, and I always felt uncomfortable for some reason uh, being out there. And I don't know if it was because I was always used to being more in towns, uh, living in towns while growing up. But and then and then going out into the middle of nowhere. I don't know if it was just the change. I but there was always a very odd feeling. And uh, as time had gone by, um, 
we I got I got more accustomed to it, but you know it was always a little odd being out in the middle of nowhere. But um, I guess I want to say it was late in two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine. I had uh, I broke my ankle. I was going out. I was taking one of our dogs out for uh, a walk, and uh, it was a little bit of snow, and I didn't the, like the one freaking patch of macadam that that was in in the yard uh, had ice on it, and I didn't realize it was icy. Fell, broke my leg. So, anyways. But so I was kind of out of commission for a while. And, and one night we were, uh, uh, Leslie and I were, were watching TV and, and we were kind of, uh, eh, I don't know, just kind of like not asleep, but you were getting tired, I guess. And we were watching, ironically, I, oh, I think it was called Paranormal Kids or Paranormal Children or something like that, that Chip Coffee was in it. And he would go around talking to these kids that had psychic abilities or whatever. And we were both lying there. We had two sofas in the living room at the time. And you could look through the doorway into the dining room. And you would have to go behind our table to go to the staircase to go upstairs. And I'm laying there uh, watching this show. And it was, it was kind of ironic because they were talking about a spirit that these kids had noticed. And the one kid goes, uh, he's here. He's here. And then Chip Coffee goes, David is here. And then at that time, I, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And I look and I saw my, what? Was that Chip Coffee or Mr. Garrison? Uh, whatever, you know, it's whoever you want it to be. Um, so I see this person walk past the dining room table. Now that the dining room was dark, there were no lights on or anything like that. But I see this person walk past the the dining room table as if they came down from upstairs they walked past i saw this person look in at me like i could see eyes and a nose and stuff but it was dark i couldn't make out illicit details or anything because they were going quickly and it, it moved and looked and and exactly uh like my wife like the way she moves and everything even that like i heard this whatever coming down the steps and uh i saw her walk past the table and everything and i'm laying there i said I said, when the hell did you get up? And she answers me on the couch behind me. She goes, I didn't. And I look over and she's lying on the other couch. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, somebody just walked past the table. And she's like, what? I said, I heard somebody come down the steps and I saw somebody walk past the table. And she's like, I said, I swear to God, it was you. It looked just like you. It moved like you. You looked in. I saw your, your face. And she goes, I've been here the whole time. So that was really creepy. And uh, another night we were lying, uh, watching TV and stuff. And um, we heard, uh, we were watching another paranormal show. And as we're watching, you know, the things were starting to intensify. And the one dog was going crazy. And she never barked at anything. And she just did this weird, freaky howl. And she wouldn't stop until the show was over. And that, that was odd to me, too. Um, and then one night we were, and, and I'm a very paranoid person, no matter where I live, I lock my doors up. Like it's like, like a military base, like it's, it's, it's locked down. And I, 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 I never forget. And, uh, the one night I always lock the deadbolt and the door, the door lock. And the one night again, I, excuse me, I had my broken ankle and everything. So maybe it was because maybe I didn't do it, but I swear, I know I, I was waddling out, around in the kitchen and I know I locked the door. I go back in, I lay down and everything, and we're watching TV and we fall asleep. We wake up 
like two, three o'clock in the morning and it's freezing cold in the house. I mean, to the point where we're literally lying there and we could see our breath. That's how cold it was. And I'm, I get up, I'm hobbling on my crutches and I'm, you know, tapping the thermostat and everything. I'm like, what the hell? It's saying that it's, you know, it, that it's, it's warm in here. I'm like, it's not registering. I'm like, but I can see my breath. And she, Leslie ran downstairs to check the oil tanks and make sure maybe did we run out of oil? Well, here uh, we're going around and I didn't even think to, to check the door because it was so cold. But here we, I, I hobbled over and I said to Leslie, I said, uh, you, you, come here. And she walks over and the front door is wide open and the porch lights on. But neither dog, we had two dogs at the time, neither dog reacted to anything. And they always reacted. At least Tamber did. Uh, Chopper, not so much. But uh, it was so weird. So we closed the door, locked it up, you know, turned the heat up a little bit more just to warm the house. And and that was very weird. And then uh, another time... In 2009, uh, my grandfather had passed away, and he was a coal miner all his life and everything, and, and by working down in the mines, he, he developed black lung. So he, uh, he had a hard time breathing and everything, and, and when he died, he, he had pneumonia and complications from the black lung. And uh, my brothers and I had gone up to the hospital to say goodbye to him, uh, and uh, when we were up there, I mean, it was very sad. Like he didn't, he, he didn't know who we were. He, you know, it, I don't need to get into it, but while we were there, he would cough and he would make like this wincing and like, like a pained sound. And it was often like throughout the whole time we were there trying to talk to him and everything. He did it multiple times. So I go home, I, you know, I talked to my wife and everything. And I, you know, I was upset, you know, I, you know he was a great man. And uh, so we go to bed and we're upstairs in our room, excuse me. And uh, we're lying in bed and six o'clock in the morning, we hear this noise and it's that this just, we both literally simultaneously sit up in the bed and we look at each other, we go, what the hell was that? And I, I, I said to her, I said, you know, I said, this is weird. I said, that sounded like my grandfather. And we were both just kind of sitting there talking and stuff like that. And then uh, maybe an hour or two later, <clears throat> I got a call from my dad. And he said, Papa passed away at 6 o'clock this morning. And that's when we heard the noise and woke up. Yeah, which is it is a common phenomenon with family members passing. A lot of people do report seeing them or, you know, around the time that they pass, you know, miles and miles away from home and stuff like that. They'll say they had a dream about them or you know, they'll say they woke up and saw them standing at the edge of their bed or something like that. So, you know, that, that is a common phenomenon with people passing to hear, you know, hear or see them. So, you know, that would be kind of weird, you know, creepy in a way to wake up to that. Yeah. It was, it was just weird. Cause like I said, it was out of the blue and, and it was distinct. Like I I knew that sound because we heard it so many times the night before. With the door being open, could that have been Chopper just trying to finally cross over? No, 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 no. Was that before he was ready to go? Oh, that was way before, yeah. He was still fairly young at that time. Yeah, no, that was definitely – and he never – he was never one that would jump up at the door handle or anything like that. Now, Tambor 
uh, she was smart and she actually knew how to open doors, but we, we crate the dogs at night. So they weren't okay, out walking yeah. around. So, and they I, were both I was in just their making, crates. I, I was just making a joke about Chopper, you know, <laughs> going to the light. <laughs> no, that wasn't for a while later. Um, so then after that happened, things were kind of quiet, but there was another thing that, that we always noticed too, is every now and, and we smoked off and on, uh, in our early relationships. Hey, Bob, thanks for joining in. Uh, but like once, in, like, I guess right before my daughter was born is, is, is when I quit because I didn't want to be smoking around my kids. Um, <clears throat> but we never smoked in the house. We'd always go outside. We had an ashtray, we put our cigarettes out and, you know, outside. Um, and, and never did we notice any smell coming in. And, and after we quit, we, you know, we didn't keep, the, the the butts or anything like that and we emptied it out we put the, the ashtray away um but every now and again we would smell what smelled almost like pipe smoke or or cigarette smoke like it was just mm-hmm. like a tobacco-y smell and it wasn't so much cigarette it was a little sweeter which made me kind of think of like a pipe but it was a tobacco mm-hmm. and we just like we'd be in the house randomly and it didn't matter where um you know, I noticed it one time I was upstairs, I was putting um, laundry away and I just turned and I just, I caught this strong whiff of like tobacco. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell? Like, That's very strange. You know, I didn't have any cigars or I, I didn't have any of my uh, pipe tobacco at the time either. Cause yeah. I used to smoke pipes too. But uh, then the one day Leslie was saying to me, she's like, you know, I was doing laundry and the laundry room was off the side of the living room. And she's like, I, I, I swear I smelled like pipe tobacco or, or tobacco or something. I said, yeah, I, 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 I smelled it too when I was upstairs. So we noticed that off and on, actually up until right before we moved, we actually noticed that. So that was kind of a re- reoccurring thing throughout the whole time. Now, moving forward a few more years, uh, that was last major thing that we were noticing was around like 2009, 2010. So then in 2011, our daughter, our oldest daughter was born. And uh, when we were bringing her home and stuff like that, uh, like we, if we would go out visiting family or whatever, we'd come home. Sometimes it would be late at night. And in the front yard, there was a big, and I don't know if you can see it in that picture that I had. Uh, it, the, the leaves are off it, so you can't really see it. But there was a big chestnut tree in the yard right off of uh, from the driveway. And it was maybe about 50 feet from the driveway. So we would get out of the car and we would hear this noise coming from the chestnut tree. And it was unlike any noise that I had ever heard before. And the closest thing that I could compare this to was, I, and, and I mentioned this to Tom Seawood when, when we interviewed him during the Tom Seawood show, he had, he called it a whistle chirp. And he recreated that sound where it was like that. Like, I can't, it almost sounded like a reverse whistle, like a, like, I, I can't, I can't really replicate it. I mean, it sounded sort of similar to an Eagle, but, but not, you know, it was very <laughs> weird. And when I, I actually heard him do that for the first time on uh, some video he was on in, on YouTube. And then he, when we had him on the show, he replicated it and it was just this reverse. I, I can't do it. I can't, I, I can't replicate it like he did. But it was coming from that tree, and it was so loud. I mean, it, it, it was ear-piercingly loud. We heard that 
on three different occasions, probably within a span of three months. So maybe like once a month, we, we heard it for, for a three month span. And it was always around midnight. Um, we would come out, you know, from the cars, we're getting ready to go in. And then we would just hear this, like this weird noise. And, uh, and what was always creepy about it too, is our porch light was like an old seventies. It had like that yellowy amber shade to it. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. I would only cast uh, like light so far past the porch, so you couldn't see down that far. Now we had a big spotlight and everything, but you couldn't turn it on until you were in the house. But when you're coming home and you hear this noise coming out of the darkness down there, Jesus Christ, it was frightening. And I, I like, I went online. I started scouring like migrating birds, like different kind of uh, other kind of animals that I could possibly relate this to. Like I thought maybe it was like a rabbit being attacked, like, you know, how, how rabbits do that really weird scream, but it was different. And yeah, until I heard Tom do that, like that was the only thing that I, that I could attest this to. Now he says it's Bigfoot, but then again, up where he's from, there's a lot of Eagle that fight over the salmon and stuff like that. Cause there's a lot of salmon yeah. fishing going on up there. So is it Eagles fighting? And you know, I don't know. Like I, yeah, he he's there. I can't, I can't say anything because I'm not there with him. I'm not listening to it and I'm not seeing it. So I'll take his word for it. Can, can we reset the table here for a second? Um, and, and correct me if I'm mistaken. Didn't the previous tenant before you guys moved in there, didn't he have some kind of episode where he smashed out windows and, and there was something going on with him? Without getting into too much detail, there was a married couple. Uh, I don't know what happened. It's not my business. But mm. yes, the man had a, a psychotic episode. Yeah. And uh, it's stuck with him. I mean, he has not been cured of it. But yeah, he mm. kind of went off the deep end and smashed the windows and trashed the house and whatnot. And, and we had a lot of... Uh, interesting encounters with him throughout the years, but that's about all yeah. I'll say about that. But yeah. yes, that's true. I, I just, I kind of, that popped in my head as you were talking about the, the tree and stuff like that. And I do remember kind of conversation about the previous, you know, tenant that had lived there and, and having some issues and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. not that that really has anything to do with it, except for as the further you go in, on you know some of the the topics that we're going to be talking about tonight, <clears throat> I may be able to draw a little correlation to some other stuff that mm -hmm. you know in the the paranormal fields and stuff like that, using that mm -hmm. as a another reference point. So yeah, I just wanted to reset the table with that because I it, it popped in my head and I didn't want us to I don't want to be pulling up points later and people go, what is he talking about? Where did that yeah. come from? <laughs> So sorry about that. Just no, yeah. no, no, no. That's fine. That, that's good that you that you interjected with that, because uh, I I have something to go along that with that as well. And Cleo mm -hmm. says I always hear one short whistle usually when I first walk out, and I get a three tone whistle that sounds like it's meant as I see you. That's so funny that you say that, Cleo, because that's kind of how I took it. Was it was it was almost like something saying not maybe maybe not i see you but like hey i'm here and i know you're there so yeah yeah i i 
I, I thought that too. I thought that was kind of weird how it was just, it was, and, it, and again, it was almost always at the same time. And again, around that same time is when I had another encounter, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, but uh, let's see, where was I at? I don't want to lose track here. Okay, so we started hearing that noise. And like I said, it was three times, uh, give or take, within a three-month span. So then as time goes on, our daughter was sleeping. She had her own room across the hall from ours. And we had just those, like, Graco baby monitors, you know. And one was in her room, one was in our room. And one night we're lying there. And I, and I know I've said this story before, but it's all part of this property. So um, one night we're lying in bed and it was probably around three o'clock in the morning. Again, ironically around the witching hour and we're lying in bed. The monitor is just that kind of soft white noise and it puts me to sleep, you know, but all of a sudden, like you heard the, the white noise, it was like a shh. Then all of a sudden it went, it was like shh. And then it went completely blank, no white noise at all. And all I heard was this noise that I could compare. I, I could only compare it to the movie uh, Signs with Mel Gibson uh, when the aliens were doing like that. I don't know. Were you able to hear that? It was low, but yeah. Yeah, it was like that clicky kind of almost like insect kind of. I, I can't. I can't replicate it loud. But it was just this weird freaking noise. And what was even more interesting about it, it almost sounded like there was more than one thing. And they were talking. And every now and again, I could hear my daughter whimper amongst these things. And like I'm sitting here listening to it. It probably might have been, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds. But it felt like an eternity because I'm lying there basically frozen. And then finally something in my head just snapped because I'm trying to make sense of this. And something's like, your baby, go get your baby. And I jumped out of bed and I, and and because Leslie's freaked out. I go running into her room and she's in her crib, fast asleep, not make it. She just looked like the picture perfect little Gerber baby lying there sleeping. Nothing. And I'm like, what the hell? So I go back in the room and I lay down and it's back to the white noise. Uh, maybe an hour or two later, heard it again. And we had heard that uh, two more times after that. I don't know how many days apart, uh, but we heard it two more times after that. And then finally I said to Leslie, I said, that's it. She, uh, she's staying with us. Uh, she's not sleeping in that room anymore. And I brought her into the room and she stayed with us ever since i mean now in in the new house she has her own bed and her own bedroom and she and her sister share a room actually because they don't want their own rooms for whatever reason so we have a spare room but uh excuse me anyway um back then uh she she stayed with us in in bed with us the whole time i i just i didn't feel comfortable putting her back in there you know and uh so to me that wasn't really i mean obviously that's not bigfoot i'm getting there so please bear with me i don't mean to you know bore anybody um but it was very strange how how that happened um what does bob say here when i first got my farm about five years ago i used to get wood knocks at night when i'd get up to pee or smoke mostly during the middle of the night uh one time there were three different places it was wilder here than and now i don't smoke or get up at night hmm 
that I have wood knock stories too there, Bob. So that that's interesting. And then you're on a farm too. So it must be the abundance of food on, on the neighboring properties or your property if you actually cultivated it or farmed it. Um, but uh, that's interesting. Um, so we had that odd kind of, which I would kind of attribute to not paranormal or Bigfoot, but more, it seemed more extraterrestrial to me like an interference interference of a signal uh just and, and the noise the sound because i mean like we we do a lot of paranormal investigating mm-hmm. and we've you know used devices that create a white noise and stuff like that and never once have i ever heard anything like that it would always be like a voice or something a little bit more identifiable this yeah. was alien for lack of better terms it was very different um so that kind of freaked me out and but i didn't think much of it you know i was like all right okay it was a weird noise it was a weird thing all right the kids in with us everything's fine so later on uh i want to say this would be first track i found alongside the road was september of 2010 uh i had a healthy backpack that i would put my daughter in and we would go walking around the the back roads around the farm and the one day I was walking along with her and I came upon this uh, little dirt patch on the side of the road and I caught something out of the corner of my eye and it looked like a track. So I will bring that up now. So that's my my shoe. I, I wear a size uh, 12 sneaker, a size 13. That's a size 12 sneaker and I found this print. And it was very, uh, it was very weird. Um, the toes looked off to me. It didn't look bare, like a bear print to me. Uh, I did actually send this picture to Jeff Meldrum, Dr. Meldrum at Idaho State University. And he said it has all the hallmarks of a bear. So I'll take his word for it. And that's what I just chalked it up as. I'm like, all right, okay, cool, cool. It, it's bear. But when you see it in person, it looked very weird. It almost looked like it was missing some toes. It was just, it was just odd. So that kind of, started you know getting me thinking hmm, maybe we got something around here i mean when it is pretty you know rural and whatnot so you never know maybe there's something going on here but uh again like i said i sent it to jeff he said it's a bear that was it fine done well as time had gone on uh the one time uh let me scroll through the notes make sure i'm on track here okay so after that one, uh, it was probably in about 2012. Uh, yeah, because my daughter was born in 2011. Oh, wait, yeah. So that first track was in 2011 because my daughter was born. She was with me. So it, was, it wasn't in 2010. It was 2011, 2012-ish, somewhere around there. Um, so then, you know, uh, it was actually November 24th of 2012. Um, I was uh, – it was my birthday, and I was bored and I wanted to go out and do something. So we were planning on going over to my wife's parents' house. And I said, you know what? Just let me go out my four-wheeler. I just want to rip around a little bit and kind of scout the property and whatnot. I, I just want to go out. So she said, all right, fine. Go ahead. Um, go check it. You know, go check out the, the trails and stuff like that. And, uh, and then come back and we're going to go to my mom's. I said, all right, fine, whatever. So I went out in the quad and uh, I'm cruising around and I'm riding the trails that I always ride. And I go back this one trail and uh, 
this was right around the time of that Hurricane Katrina or whatever, which or, or, or Sandy, I think. I don't know. But it, it knocked a lot of trees down back in the woods. And this big tree had blown down and went over the trail that I always take. And there wasn't enough room. I, I have a Polaris Sportsman uh, 700X2. And if anybody's familiar with that, it's like 50 inches wide almost. So it's a big-ass machine. And I couldn't wedge it between the trees to get back on the track that I, I, I normally ride on. So I looked off to the side, and I was like, all right, well, there's another trail. I'll just cruise up here and see if it merges with my usual trail. So I go up and I get to a certain point where the trail just kind of like fizzles off. It didn't really go much further. You could see that it, it just went in the forest. And I'm like, well, you know, it's cold. It was really cold that day, actually. And it was starting to flurry. And I knew I had to run. And I'm very meticulous with my equipment. Like every time I ride, I take it home. I wash it. I, don't, I never put my quad away dirty because I don't want it rusting out. And I, you know, I came up, there's this big mud puddle and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't feel like it's too freaking cold to clean this thing. I'll just turn around, but I'm like, well, I'll just scout around the mud puddle and see what I find. Cause I like to see what kind of tracks are around, not just for, you know, Bigfoot, but uh, just what kind of animals are around. You know, I'm curious. So I got off the quad and I'm, and I walk up to the mud puddle and I look down and I see this track. And as I'm looking at it, the water is actually pooling back into the impression you could clearly see a heel and as it goes forward you can see the big toe and part of i guess what you would call the index toe and the other toes aren't very distinct because it kind of went up on a little root but i'm looking at this thing and like i said it's pooling back in with water and i'm like and it's a left footprint if you go by the way the toe pattern is and i'm like this is brand new. Like this was just made. So I'm kind of like freaking out because it's, it's big. And I'm like, well, is it an overstep of a bear? There were no other tracks around. It's like, it stepped with its left foot by the puddle and leaped over onto the other hard surface on the other side of the puddle and must've taken off. And I have a picture of that track here really quick. I'll bring up. So this is the track that I had found and you could, well, I wish I could get my mouse to work on, on the right side of the picture um, is where the heel had gone in. And then you can see almost in the center where I guess what you would call the mid tarsal break where the, the leaves are kind of bunched up and then up in the front is where the toes went down. And you can see where like the ball of the feet actually pushed the leaves backwards to bunch them up in the middle like that. Um, and I, I was it was just about 15 inches long i'm trying to look at the ruler um and then i have another picture here i'll bring up oh that's the same one sorry where the hell is that other picture? here we go and then it's just about seven and a half inches wide at its widest point so it's a pretty big track so i get all freaked out and everything and i i call my wife up and uh, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I, I think I just found a Bigfoot track. I'm freaking out, and I'm telling her everything that's going on. And she's like, all right, okay, great. I'm like, no, 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 I'm serious. I think this might be a Bigfoot track. I like, I'm not kidding. I was like, I'm going to come home. I'm going to grab my plaster and everything. I said, I, I, I want to cast it. She's like, no, we got to go to my mom's. Come back, park the quad. We got to go to my mom's. She's expecting us. I'm like, it, it's a Bigfoot track. 
she's like but i told my mom we're gonna be there for one o'clock we gotta go i'm like are you kidding me and you know i i can't argue with the wife so i actually went down first thing the next day and i casted it and here's a kind of a picture of what the trail looked like uh the white thing there kind of towards the center bottom of the picture is the cast after i put the or the the footprint after i put the the plaster in in front of it is what was left of the mud puddle and then you can see where it took that one step like hopped over the puddle stepped on the other side where those cluster of three trees are and just took off there and and i i'm 310 pounds and, and i was hopping around on that and i didn't really sink the mud in when i was on the opposite sides um so obviously if this were a bigfoot it'd be a lot heavier than me so if you know if i couldn't make a a a mark in it i mean i didn't expect to see any other tracks so um and i do have i I have more pictures of this but i just wanted to pick the most important ones i guess but uh, i still have that cast actually um so that was the first like really like i guess more solid piece of evidence that i found on the property that really made me start to think that, all right, well, maybe there could be something here. I found that one track alongside the road. That was very interesting. But, you know, Meldrum had said, oh, it has the hallmarks of a bear. I'm like, all right, so I, he's the professional. So I left it at that. Then I find this one. And it starts to kind of uh, heighten my interest on, on looking into things more. Because, I mean, I've always, we've always been into this since the nineties and everything. And we've gone all over the place. And I'm like, well, here I live on this prime location. You know, I want to start scouting around. And what was kind of weird is after that happened, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, I found it and I started thinking about it and my mind started to play tricks on me. I don't know. But after I had found the track, I kind of felt like, I was being watched. I started hearing things snapping, like 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 twig snapping and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, is there something around me? But I, I really was chalking it up more as, okay, I'm psyching myself out. So it's my mind playing tricks on me. But it did feel really weird. And again, like I said, it was windy. It was cold. It, it very well could have been wind snapping branches and stuff like that. I'm not saying it was anything, but... I I just felt like I was being watched because here I am, I find this fresh track and obviously if whatever made it, you know, couldn't have gotten too far without me seeing or hearing it. So it probably hopped over, hid quick and was watching me from, you know, a short distance. And that's maybe that's why I had that kind of sensation of something being there. Um, but like I said, I, I then hopped on the quad and I took off and then the next day actually Leslie came down with me and, um she actually mixed the plaster and everything and put it together and you can see that those little videos on our our website and on our youtube page we have them all up there and also um we chad and i have a sister page a sister group if you will that's pretty much focused entirely on the um the experiences i had on that property um and some surrounding areas but um it's called the Sasquatch ATV research team. And here I'll, I think I have a link for it. Um, I posted in the comments there for anybody who wants to go check it out. Um, that's our sister page. I mean, it's basically the same team. It's just a different 
title. I don't know. It's just more specific to that property. And I'm still allowed to go back. We are still allowed to go back to that property. So that we use that place as our, our more or less ongoing investigation where we try and, you know, find some stuff and whatnot. And, and, and as we go on into the show, I'm going to, I'm going to fill you in with some more, like the property's just effed up. I'm telling you, like, there's just so much weird shit that happened there. It's, it's ridiculous. But uh, there's a bunch of stuff on there, too, like more pictures of the tracks and, and other things that we found down there. So feel free to go check that out. Um, let's see. So that was the first track. So then um, that was in November. Then later on in December, still in 2012, um, we were in the kitchen and my wife and I were we're having coffee in the morning and stuff. We're talking and, and whatnot with what? What are you smiling about? I was scratching. I'm sorry. Oh, oh! I thought you were laughing. I was like, "Is it my hands again?" Am I because I'm talking with my hands? Well, but, you uh, do do that a lot, but I noticed I do it, so I really can't say nothing I'm just right say, now. Watch the playback, buddy. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we're like I said, we're we're sitting in the kitchen, and uh, you could see through the one window down the property line down to the pond, the fishing pond, the first pond that you would approach when you go back into that part of the property, and. On the side, like actually, I think Leslie saw it first, and she's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "What? What's what?" She's like, "That thing down there." Excuse me, mac and cheese. It's coming back to attack me. Um, I was like, "What thing?" She's like, "That white thing down there." I was like, "I don't know. It's snow." She was, "When the hell did we have snow?" I said, "I don't know. It just looks like a little snow pile." So I always kept uh, my binoculars at the ready uh, in the kitchen because, like, the, the the views from the kitchen you could see so many things and i was like all right cool so i grabbed the the goggles or the yeah goggles the binoculars and i'm looking out the window and i'm looking down and i'm like holy shit she's like what i said it's a fish she's like what i'm like it's a fish i said it's one of the carp and the carp that were that were in the pond they were like 48 to 56 inch inch long carp i mean they were huge they've been there forever and uh, one of the great uncles of the property, uh, super really nice guy. He used to come down all the time, and I'd go down and talk with him. He was such a nice old guy. But he used to come down, and he would uh, bring cat food with him. And he'd sit – there were benches around the ponds. And he'd sit down there and throw cat food into the ponds. And the, the carp, literally, when he would go down there, or anybody, really, if you would walk down there, the carp would come – right to you their faces would be sticking out of the water they 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 i guess almost became domesticated to the point where when they knew somebody was coming down there they expected food and they literally they would go down there and this dude would feed the carp uh cat food so i knew what they looked like so i throw my jacket on and i go running i I go running down there and here it is it's it's this i want to say it was close to 53 inches I'll bring up a picture. So when I go down there, I find this lying alongside of the pond. It's one of the carp and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this thing has bite marks taken out of it. And you can see back by the tail around between the tail and the lower fin and between the the front two fins, there were bite marks. And what, what struck me as odd is the marks looked very primate if you will like if you were to take a bite out of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you'd have that semicircular bite mark and this fish was riddled with them 
And I was like, this is very interesting. So here, well, here, I'll bring it up. This is the bite mark, one of the bite marks. If you look at it, you can see it has that semicircular bite, chew, you know, like the depression from the teeth, pulling scale and flesh back. Very strange. It's and 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 once I get in the this wasn't the only fish. Every one of them that were pulled out had a four and a half inch wide bite taken out of it, identical to this. Um, but then what kind of made me think, all right, maybe it's something else, is because I flipped it over. And you'll see in this picture, I flipped it over and the whole back half of it was basically skin. So I thought, you know, a bear, when it bites, it doesn't take a bite like we would. A bear would bite into it with, with its incisors, with its canines and bite and tear, just tear chunks of flesh and meat off of whatever it's eating. And they would hold it down with their front paws and just chomp the shit out of it. Or they would hold it with their two paws and just gnaw away on it. It wouldn't be a, a semicircular bite. So when I saw this side, I'm like, all right, maybe a bear, maybe a coyote. We have a lot of them around. I'm like, it's kind of, you know, indicative of the way they would treat their their food. So I, the way it was kind of filleted on the back end, I was like, all right. So it, it was most likely a bear. But I still kept thinking about those semicircular bite marks that were going on around the body. And I was like, man, this is really really strange so a little bit of time had passed it's now down to uh I, I think at this point it was february 2nd of 2013 um no i i i it could be very much a bear it, it could very much os se i don't know if i'm saying that right uh it could very well be a bear because like I said, when it, when it flipped over on the back side, you could see where everything was torn off. But the initial bite marks were very, very strange. And, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about later. Um, so then it was February 2nd. It was late, later in, in the evening, almost night. I would say about maybe 8, eight, eight o'clock at night or in the evening, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm in the kitchen and uh, I'm in there with uh, me and my daughter. And I'll bring up a picture. So this is what the, the, the kitchen looks like, right? And it was messy, so please don't judge. Um, so my daughter was sitting on the chair in the front where that cat is, um, and I was sitting on the chair uh, next to it that with my back facing the window. And I was peeling uh, oranges for my daughter. And we're sitting there, and it was kind of a stormy night. You know, the wind was blowing and howling and stuff like that. And, you know, you could hear the the screen of the window rattling and stuff like that and uh i'm sitting there and at the time we 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 only had one dog uh and it was my english bulldog chopper and and he was the worst guard dog you would ever find like i swear to god he was more of a speed bump for people who intruded in the house than than anything a guard dog like you would literally trip over this guy when you walked in the house he was dumb as shit so we're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I hear this noise coming from the window that sounded almost like something was pressing against the screen. Like you could hear that almost like that tension, that, that what is it, tensile strength or whatever, like that ding, 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 almost kind of like pushing against the screen. All of a sudden, my dog jumps up. He goes right to the window, and he's doing that real deep, you know, I'm a tough dog kind of you know kind of 
snarly and he never does that like this dog like you don't get that out of that dog and he's right at the window i'm like what the hell so i go i walk over i'm looking out the window and i don't see anything and i come back over and i you know i move the dog and whatnot try and get him calmed down i give my daughter her oranges and then we go into the the living room and uh i get her uh ready for bed well the next day um I'm telling my wife about this and I'm like, yeah, it was really weird. I said, the dog started going crazy. It sounded like something was pushing, you know, against, against the house and everything. And she's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's odd. So no sooner do I get done talking to her about it. We're in the kitchen having coffee as usual. And, um, hold on. Sorry. I'm trying to go through my notes and making sure <laughs> I'm not, uh, missing anything. So we look out and sure enough, there's another carp. And I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. And she's like, what? I was like, another carp. There's another fish down there. So I throw my coat on. I get my, you know, myself together and I go running down there. And yet again, let me get the picture of this one now. And, it, and when I got down there, the thing was frozen stiff. So I go down and there, there it was again, another carp. This one was high 40s, uh, maybe low 50 inches because the, the tail fins were chewed off. Because after uh, after the initial kill, if you will, you can see it was kind of being gnawed on by raccoons around the mouth of the fish because you can see little teeth marks. But the thing was, I'm not, I'm not kidding, the thing was frozen solid. So this fish had one singular bite taken out of the lower belly area where the row sacks would be be kept like the egg sacks so obviously something is going after the the high protein high calorie areas because large predators during cold seasons aren't going to expend the energy of eating an entire carcass because they burn more calories actually believe it or not than they do uh by just eating the important areas so something new enough to take a bite out of the fish in this, you know, certain area where it got the, the pro the, the egg proteins. So it took one bite out of it and left it. If it were a bear or coyotes or, or even a raccoon or something, that thing would have been devoured. So that is that picture. And I have a close up this time of the bite. As you can see, look at the center of that bite mark. And again, this is a four and a half inch wide bite. Even if it were a bear, it would be a little bit more narrow than that because they have that narrow snout. This is a semi-circular bite. You can see in the top where the flesh is kind of peeled back, where it almost looks like two, uh, I don't know what you call it, the two front teeth in, in, a, in a primate mouth. Is that the incisor or whatever? The two front teeth. You can see where it kind of goes in there. And like the along the edges is almost like a molar ridge where something just big just picked it up and ow, took a big-ass chomp out of it and threw it down on the ground and went on its merry way. And I think I have another picture of that too here. Oh, yeah. Here. Sorry, this program has everything so scattered, it's hard to kind of get everything fluid. So here's another bite from a different angle, and you can see where it kind of goes up into the fish's body cavity, where it was almost looked like it just kind of sucked everything out. Because I've 
messed around with the. I didn't physically touch it. I just moved it around with a stick because I didn't want to contaminate it. But um, the the cavity was empty. There was nothing in there. So it almost looked like it took a bite and kind of sucked the insides out. I don't know. It sounds weird, but it was empty. There was nothing in there. Uh, or maybe a smaller animal got in there and ate it. I don't know. But uh, my landlord actually had that fish. Uh, and apparently he found others, too, that I wasn't aware of. And he had them sent out to the fishing game. And they came back and they said that they died from old age. And we're like, but these bites. And they're like, the fish died of old age. That, that was That's what they told them. How how does a fish die of old age when it is clearly missing a chunk of itself? I have no idea. I I I have no idea. And there's a question there. There are no reported sites of pumas, but people I know have found some tracks uh fairly close. Um well, I want to say a few miles from where I, I was living at the time, but Pumas have a huge territorial radius. So it's it's possible, but there's not a lot of reported Pumas around there, no. But it's a well, good, uh, definitely a good thought, because I thought about that too. And uh, go ahead. Um, just to give people an idea, how high was that window in, in oh, the kitchen yeah, off the yeah. ground? Uh, well, the, that that that's you. I swear you read my mind. So I have a picture. Okay, let me bring it up. This is the view, looking out of the window from the kitchen. So right, that tree directly outside the window is a pear tree, and if you look way back, you can kind of see like the light areas through the trees. That's the fishing pond, and then there's a pavilion behind that, and then behind the pavilion is the fresh, fresh spring pond. And then off, way off to the right is the larger swimming pond. But that where the tree is, the, the 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 there's a hill. It actually rolls down maybe 50 feet down into like a little glen area, and then raises up again on the other side back to where the ponds are. But that's looking out um, that window. Um, and then in the back, oops, let me get this out of here. So take this one out, put this one up. That's me. I'm six foot three. Um, I cannot see into the window. Now I could obviously stand and reach it, but whatever was pushing on that window had to have been taller than me or at least as tall as me because it's, it's fairly high from, you know, the ground to the, to the window. So, I mean, there maybe yeah, possible, but they should be hibernating at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, but whatever it was, you could hearly, clearly hear it pushing against the screen and pushing uh, pressure against the screen. And I don't know, whatever, it was very weird. It made my dog react and, and nothing makes that dog react. But it actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go a little bit more into it once I start talking about another thing that had happened. And yes, you're right, a puma bite does, does look like that, but even still with pumas they they'll lick it clean they'll lick the fur or scales or skin or anything down as far as they can because they're very dainty eaters um and and they they too will bite in with the canines and and pull not creating such a precise bite like that because i looked that up as well like i looked up you know bites from different animals that i thought could possibly be in my area 
and bear puma do more of a sideways gnawing on a lot of the stuff that they eat not so much of a bite like we would bite and uh like the the initial bite i guess to bite and tear um maybe could could create a bite that looks like that but uh everything that i looked up about puma bites um it it didn't really it didn't really match to what this is but if you could find a puma bite pattern that looks like that i would greatly appreciate it because that could maybe write off this as something natural and not something unknown so that's one of our big things too is i don't ever want to jump and say it's a bigfoot i'm not saying these are bigfoot bites or these encounters are from a a bigfoot all i'm saying is they were really really weird and i don't know what did it (laughs) so if you have the answer that would be fantastic and i would greatly appreciate it sincerely um would a and i so wish i could do jaws jokes right now but (laughs) yeah all these bite radius comments but um with with like a puma with the bite radius would that be in in a legitimate size i would say i would say so i mean it's four and a half okay. inches wide i mean they've got a, they've got more of a, a a shorter broader like the cat muzzle is different from a bear where a bear is more protruded mm-hmm. yeah cats are almost more brachycephalic where it's it's more of a pushed in wider mouth so okay. i would say it's possible yeah, because yeah, I mean, pumas pumas could get pretty damn big, so yeah. I would say I would say it's possible. But I, I like I said, everything that I looked up, I couldn't find like every puma kill that I saw looked nothing like this. They were decimated, torn apart, gnawed on, just shredded, you know. Because like exactly. I said, they bite and they tear and they do that sideways gnawing on it to to chew through bone and and mm-hmm. thick flesh and meat. Um, but like I said, this was one single bite that was just chomp gone. I, I don't know. It was very weird. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, let's see. Got through the carp. So, one of the things that I thought was possible, and like I said, these carp have gotten accustomed to people. They've accustomed to people going down and feeding them. <laughs> Excuse me. And they know the, I guess, the humanoid shape, if you will. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't look like a, 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 any kind of animal bite that I could recognize, Cleo. I, I, I don't know. But it, like I said, if somebody could provide me a picture to put my mind at ease, because I don't want to say it was a Bigfoot. I don't want to say it. I want to say it was something else. But, uh, I'm just saying, I, I, I don't know at this point what it is. Um, but anyway, so the, the fish have become habituated, if you will, or, or uh, trained that when a person approaches, they're going to get fed. During the winter months, not many people go down there. The fish are probably a little bit more hungry. Um, so what if a humanoid shape approached the pond? The fish took it as, oh, we're going to be fed. I'm going to go to it because I mean, I'm not kidding. They eat from your hand. Like my kids and I have gone down there and literally knelt down next to the pond and poured like 
put our hand. Oops, there's my hands over there. Oops, there we go. Put my hand out and dumped food into the fish's mouth. One of them actually touched my fingertip. Like they're not afraid of you. They come right to you. So let's just say hypothetically, this was a Bigfoot, very similar to a person's physical structure. This creature goes up to the pond, kneels down, just like I do. And the fish come up. They're a little bit slower. It's colder. They're not, you know, moving around as quickly as on, like on a hot day. And, you know, the Bigfoot, maybe he saw how that worked. And maybe they're, maybe they're luring them in with something that they had found, you know. And the fish are coming over. And all of a sudden, whoop, snatch it up. I'm sure they're adapted uh, to, to catching game better than we are. Uh, please do some research and, and send, send me it, please. I, I would totally appreciate that. Um, cause like I said, I looked, I couldn't find anything, but I, I, please, um, so yeah, maybe whatever it was, you know, lured the fish in and yanked it out, took a bite and went on its merry way. Easy as that. So that's a possibility. I don't know. And let, and anybody who could lend any kind of better, stronger information, more scientific, uh, factual, actual matter of a factual, <laughs> please. I am open to it because, like I said, I'd rather find out a plausible answer than say that it is a Bigfoot because I won't say that it's Bigfoot until I physically see it. Um, so with all that happening, I left the, the fish carcass um, the, uh, down there. Then, like I said, my, my landlord ended up coming and snatching it. But uh, I, I also started baiting more, and I, I figured, all right, well, if this thing is coming after – at that point, too, the fish was gone. Um, no, 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 no. The first time we put the camera trap down, the fish was there. We got a bunch of raccoons and a crow. Then I went back down. The fish carcass was gone, which I assume was my landlord who took it. Um, so I went down to uh, the grocery store, and I bought a bunch of uh, salmon eggs uh, that you would fish with. Because I thought, all right, well, if this thing is going after the row, I'm going to try and lure it in with something that it obviously has already gone after. So I got uh, some fish uh, and some salmon eggs and whatever else I could find. And at that point, the pond was frozen solid. So I just basically put it out far enough where if something came for my bait, I'm going to see it. So I set the trap up and everything, and I put the, the eggs down and whatnot. And as it always goes, I got lots of, lots of coons, lots of crows, uh, but no, no, uh, Bigfoot, um, a lot of blank, a lot of blank pictures that I didn't know why they were blank, but, uh, the things that did come through were, uh, like I said, raccoons, crows, a cat, um, and that was it. Um, but when my wife and I had gone down there to get the, the memory card out of the camera, we were just kind of messing around. There was a uh, snow that had just fallen. So uh, we're down there, we're putzing around, and uh, <clears throat> I said to her, I said, well, let's do a couple whoops, because at that time, that's when uh, Finding Bigfoot was coming in, and, you know, we, we used to laugh, you know, with the, the, the whooping and whatnot. And I said, all right, well, you know, for shits and giggles, let's whoop it up, you know? So we were doing a couple whoops and whatnot, and uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, it, the barn is about maybe 75 yards from where we were standing. 
something grabbed a softball-sized rock and chucked it against the side of the barn. We both look at each other. We're like, what in the world was that? So we go hightailing down to the barn. You could see where the this the rock was covered in snow so it left like a like a little bit of a snow debris on the side of the barn you can see where it hit you can see where it hit the ground and rolled and we found the rock and i'm telling you this thing was like a softball size rock and i'm looking around trying to see who or what threw this there were no other tracks other than our own coming down towards the barn and i actually went back into the wooded area to try and see if i could find some tracks i couldn't find anything and there it, it turns into a swamp further beyond that and like i said it was it was snowing it was bitter cold i i wasn't going into the swamp so it could have been thrown from the swamp i don't know but it was very weird how we're down there kind of taunting and we had that happen um and let's see what happened after that all right so that was an okay so then after the winter We're coming into spring and summer and my daughter, I want to say around that time, she was, I don't know, maybe 18 months old, maybe a little bit older. I don't know. She was able to walk and we're outside and we're playing in the driveway. And uh, what I noticed is when my daughter was outside and, and, you know, laughing and talking and whatnot, the activity seemed to pick up. And at that time, I had contacted a uh, another researcher named Melissa Hovey, um, and she had brought up a bunch of good points that males commonly seem to, male Bigfoot supposedly, are um, attracted to the sound of human children. And they're very inquisitive. And also that males have migratory roots or areas that they kind of fluctuate between and um so she gave me a lot of great advice and we were outside in in the the driveway playing and stuff and uh my wife had yelled out she said all right guys you know dinner's ready come on in let's go and i said all right baby let's go it's time to go in and of course like children always do she put up a fight and she was screaming and yelling and being defiant so i had to get stern and i yelled at her I said, no, you know, we're going in now. Enough is enough, you know? So I got, you know, stern and she started crying. And while we were out there, there was no hard wind. I mean, a Zephyr at best. There was no wind. And when she started crying, I picked her up. I started carrying her in and a freaking tree fell down behind the barn. And my wife comes running out and she's like, what was that? I said, uh, a tree fell down. She's like, what? I was like, a, a, a tree fell down be, behind the barn. She's like, how the hell did a tree fall down? I said, I don't know. Maybe it was loose. Maybe it was leaning against something. Maybe, I don't know. But it was just kind of weird how I'm outside playing with my kid. The minute she gets upset and I have to take her away, a tree falls down. Is it, you know, a Bigfoot possibly, you know, showing aggressive tendencies like because he didn't want her to go in? I don't know. Very strange. Coincidental. So that happened. And then uh, I had cleared off uh, 
there was a dog run behind the house on, on a little concrete pad. And I have a picture of it. I'll show you guys. So this is the little dog run thing. I cleared it off. I cleared some of the, the bushes around behind it, put some tiki lights up and stuff like that. And like we had that little chimney. So we'd go out, we'd have, you know, little fires and stuff like that. And, you know, it was me, my wife, the dog and Lily, our daughter, and we'd roast marshmallows and stuff. And we were out there. Um, it was dark. I don't know exactly what time, maybe nine, 10 o'clock. I don't know. I don't, it was dark. And we're out there having a good time and, you know, we're laughing and talking and roasting marshmallows and, and back behind uh, the bushes, it drops down. Like I said, it drops about 50 feet. It goes down into a Creek and we're sitting out there and we hear something splashing through the Creek. Now we get a lot of deer that put, pass through the area. So we're like, Oh, it's the deer coming up. They're coming up to the field. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden the dog gets up. And like I said, this dog doesn't react to anything. He reacted to the thing on the screen. And now we're sitting outside. And I, I think, honestly, I think the dog was half deaf, to be honest with you, because he didn't, he didn't hear half the stuff you said to him 90% of the time. But we're sitting there, and he was lying on his belly facing the, the forest, the woods, uh, and the back part of the, uh, the pad there. Well, we hear this thing moving around. All of a sudden, Chop gets up. He, the, 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 the hair on his, his, his back is starting to stand, and he's doing a, that deep growl, you know, giving out a couple of, you know, a couple little almost like warning barks, you know. And all of a sudden, whatever was down there started coming up the hill at us and at a, at a fairly fast rate. And... I said to Leslie, I said, oh, it's probably one of the deer coming up. And I said, I'll, I'll yell at it, you know, and I, I have a fairly loud voice and out there when you would yell in, into the forest, like it echoed, like you could hear everything down there. Like the echo was ridiculous. So I get up and I'm like, Hey, I yelled down at it. It starts coming up even faster. And I said to Leslie, I said, get the baby, get the baby. And she's like, what, what? I'm like, it's, it's coming, whatever it is, it's coming, you know? And, um, I, you know, I was like, get in the house. Cause I said, like, whatever it is, it's, it's coming up. And I didn't know what it was. And it, it was loud. It sounded big. So I thought, Oh shit. You know, is it a bear? You know what I mean? Cause at that time it's spring, you know, could have yeah. been a sow with some, some cubs, not something I wanted to mess with. So she starts going back up with, with the baby to the house. And I, you know, grab some of the stuff that's laying around and I'm trying to get the dog to come with me. And you know, he's not reacting. So I, take the stuff up to the porch and I come back down to get my dog and to put the fire out. And I'm, I'm getting yelled at because we well, don't go out there. You don't know what it is. I'm like, well, I can't, can't leave the fire going. I can't leave my dog out there, you know? So I go back over and I can hear something moving around. And I started yelling, I was like, Hey, get out of here. Go on, go on. You know, I'm, I'm yelling and, and stuff. Then all of a sudden, like it was further away a little bit. And then all of a sudden you could hear it kind of backtracked and started coming right at us. I actually grabbed my dog and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> we got the hell out of there. So we went back up in the house and that, that was kind of weird. And then uh, there were a few other instances after that where, and again, it always seems to be something happening when I'm out there with my daughter. And I, I, I don't know why um, we were outside just walking around and we were back by that pear tree that I had showed you guys outside of the window. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden I hear in the distance, like a, And we're listening. 
And I was like, hey, is it you hear that? And, she, you know, my daughter's just smiling, looking at me and stuff. And I'm like, listen. And we hear, tsh, tsh, tsh. Now, we didn't have neighbors that were right on top of us. And the neighbor that would be behind us was probably a mile, um, about a mile behind us, give or take. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe they're building something. Are they hammering on something? Is somebody, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, so I'm sitting there and I said, all right. I said, let's, let's, let's play back. Let's play back, honey. You know, so I pick up a stick and I start knocking on the pear tree. One, two, three. The thing responds. One, two, three. We did that a couple times. And I'm like, one, two, three, four. Then it comes back. One, two, three, four. However, I changed the pattern. It replicated. Could it have been somebody messing with me? Sure. Sure. It could have been. But again, it was just very weird. And from that day on, we started hearing more what I would, I guess, call a wood knock. I'm not a huge subscriber of wood knocks, but I would hear this sound in different areas of, of the property. And like I said, it's 150 acres. I mean, there's a lot of ground. Um, so let's see. Those were some of the main things that we started noticing and hearing and experiencing. Uh, so, oh yeah. So the one day this was September 10th in 2013, the one day I was out, well, I, this time I didn't take my four wheel. I went walking and uh, I found what appeared to be another track back in uh, the woods uh, behind the house. This was in like a little tiny Creek bed. It had a little bit of gravel and whatnot in it. And I came upon this track and it was very, fairly definitive, you know, uh, defined. Um, you couldn't really tell in the picture. That's why I outlined it because like in person, you could see it more clearly, but you know, in the picture for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the way the shadows were laying or whatever. I don't know. It didn't, you know, so I outlined it just whatever. So now you see what it looks like. But um, so I found that one. I was like, all right, so there's still something. And, and at that point, I think I've acquired six or seven camera traps. I had them up all over the damn place. Chad, when, when you started coming out at that point, when I started bringing you out, I mean, Jesus, how many, how many did we put up? I, at some point, about five out of the six. Yeah, I'd say at least we, and we had, we, we tried to kind of triangulate the property of of where most of the activity had happened we tried to kind of create a perimeter so if something would pass through we were hoping we would catch it and unfortunately we never did but um so i found that and then it was in march um i my a buddy of mine had come over uh, i was part of a different paranormal group at the time um, one of the many that Chad and I have been bounced in and out of. Um, he came down, we were doing some evidence review and stuff like that. And he's like, Hey, do you want to go for a walk just around the property? I said, yeah, sure. You know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go check it out. So at this point, you know, we're coming out of winter and stuff like that. Things are kind of thawing and whatnot. And we go down and, and, and he was asking me about some of the, the fish and stuff like that. He's like, Oh, so where did you find this one? And we're down at the small pond. We're looking at it. Then we go back up to the big pond, which actually had, koi fish in it and sure enough in the big pond one of the koi there it was one singular bite now this bite's taken out higher uh, in the fish um 
but yeah and that one obviously had been there for a while because you could see it was starting to decompose but again that's the third fish that i had found killed in a similar fashion one semicircular bite taken out of it out of the body the rest of it left i don't know i don't know what to make of it very strange so then after that this is probably later this is in the summer of 2013 this is when chad and i started uh uh scouting out together and this is when i uh took him to where i found the um the first track and whatnot and i'm gonna let you talk about that experience because i've gone on and my throat's getting dry okay and i actually have the not not to cut you off but you you mentioned in the in the comments i have the audio on my phone i'm going to try and play it on the show okay cool yeah so we went out less wanted to show me where he had found this track and everything and so we went out and you know we're out there and he shows me the little area where he found it and you know kind of explaining what was going on the day he was out there and stuff and of course i'm out there in flip-flops because i had a, a broken bone in my foot and i couldn't put on shoes so you know we're standing there we're just like looking around and kind of you know checking out the different areas and seeing if there's any you know besides the trail that people ride quads and stuff on was there any large openings you know for animals to be crossing in that direction you know back and forth so we're looking for like larger game trails and stuff and if anybody's you know familiar with pennsylvania woods we have mountain laurel which basically is just this weird it tangles on top of itself and it becomes like a wall that you couldn't get through if you tried yeah and (laughs) And, and they harbor ticks yeah so we're like you know standing there talking and i i look over into you know down this area from where the print was found and i'm like hey you know i want to go check out there's like this like weird stone kind of almost looks like a circle it's not really a circle but it kind of looks like it from the trail and stuff like that so of course you know i start walking down there and less of course has to remind me hey it had rained the day before or earlier that morning he goes hey just remember rattlesnakes rattles don't rattle when they're wet <laughs> of course i know there are snakes out there i know this i grew up in this area i know there's rattlesnakes and copperheads and you know i don't need to be reminded especially when i'm wearing flip-flops <laughs> yeah so i'm out there i walk out a little ways and i'm you know, I kind of get in behind some of this, you know, in, in an area where there's some mountain laurel from where I could actually see less. So I, I kind of like squat down a little bit to yell over to him. And as I do, I look between my feet and there is a footprint in between my feet. Now, it's not one of my feet, as you, you can kind of see, I think less has it up now um you know now that's less than a shoe in the photo like i said i was wearing flip-flops but i just look down and i see this print and i'm like dude you gotta come over here now where we're where this print is at the time i don't know how big less was i was about 250 and we weren't denting the ground that we were walking Mm -hmm. on 
I mean, we jumped up and down, you know, bounced on our heels to see if we left an indention or anything like that. And to me in this, you know, in this footprint or what I think is a footprint, A, it's not an area you'd be walking without shoes on. Like I said, I had flip-flops on, but I had a broken bone in my foot. And I wear flip-flops all the time or sandals, so I'm kind of used to that. But I wouldn't have taken my shoes off. It's pine needles and stuff like that. I wouldn't have walked through that area barefoot. And to me, it kind of looks like there's a big toe in there and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. What size are those boots you have on, Les? 13s. 13s. And you can kind of see it. It's a pretty close, you know, to Les's foot size in that photo. And, yeah, and don't write off the possibility of a juvenile. <laughs> you know what I mean? It may not be the 15, 16 inch tracks you know like the the big the big tracks could be a younger one because what chad yeah. and i were kind of theorized well about the throughway the track the the you go on well no no bring that part up because well we because it was this was found this track was found about 75 feet from where i had found uh the one in the puddle where the water was pooling back in and what we're kind of thinking is, and I have another story uh, to go along with this particular spot. Um, m- m- the large majority of the tracks that we found were in this area. So we're thinking that, and, and right around it are a lot of game trails too, deer trails. Mm-hmm. So what we were kind of thinking is maybe this is a throughway. Maybe this is um, an area that they travel a lot to go back and forth to wherever they're going. Um, and do you want to talk about when we came back later with your, uh, with your brother and your nephews and yeah. down further in the pine, in the pine trees? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, took out my nephews and my little brother went with us one time. We just went out hiking and kind of, my little brother was in the Bigfoot and stuff like that. So we just, you know, went to get them out and, you know, just take the boys out and go hiking around. My other two nephews were more into the paranormal stuff. So I used to drag them to Gettysburg all the time and I, you know, drag them all around the battlefield in different places. So, you know, we were out walking and this was after Superstorm Stan- uh, Sandy had went through. So there was a lot of, you know, trees knocked over, uprooted trees. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a lot of this area, like I said, there's very dense sections of mountain laurel and very dense areas of pine and all that. But you kind of get into this one area and it's it's kind of ringed by like mountain laurel and pines and stuff like that and it's almost like you could if you wanted to camp in that area and have shelter from the wind Mm -hmm. this area would be perfect now in that area we also found some dead birds uh some Mm -hmm. turkey and stuff like that that you know we found clusters of feathers which I'm not saying that was, you know, Bigfoot or something like that. That could have, you know, just been other animals. But we were finding all this stuff in this very dense, you know, this area was open with very thick, dense laurel around it. And Uh a a trail way going in and out of it big enough for Les and I to easily walk in and out through it. Mm -hmm. You know, so there was a, a lot in that area and, you know, there's a lot of shelter and, and, you know, food available and, you know, areas where you could walk within five or six feet of something and never notice it. 
nope. you know, on the other side of those laurels or through the pines, I mean, you could walk right next to something, barely even have a hint that something's next to you. And, so definitely and, there was a lot, a lot of area and openings for something larger than a deer to get in and out, get in and out through that area. Yep. And what was kind of neat about that too, is like Chad had said, uh, there they were pine trees but they weren't very they weren't mature pine trees they were all maybe 10 to 15 feet max some of them were shorter uh so it was just this very small cluster of young pine and what was kind of interesting is i don't know if it was like maybe a little wind tunnel that had gotten created within them because all around them were other uh i guess deciduous trees not conifer trees um Mm -hmm. So when their leaves dropped, I don't know if they just got stuck between the pines and, and did a little swirl around when the wind would pick up or what. But could you remember around the edges that the leaves were piled up? Yeah. Which I thought was kind of weird. And I mean, it was it almost like Chad said, it almost kind of created the perfect bedding area. Like you had the, the small pine that created the shelter and you had all this leaf litter in the inside that created like an insulated bedding, which was I don't know, very, very unique. And come to think of it, we probably should have stepped on a lot of those piles because maybe they were bedding, like burying themselves under. Because did you ever see some of those survival, like the people would literally bury themselves in leaves to create insulation? Maybe the squatch were actually hidden in the leaves and we didn't even know it. But uh, but it was funny, like getting in there, like literally we would have to like, I mean, it was thick and there was only like one or two areas that were wide enough to to walk more freely through, but it was very dense around it. Cause like to get in there, we had to go through maybe 20 feet of 20 feet or maybe 30 feet of the compact pine. Yeah. Remember, we were walking like sideways. We were, we were like, it, it was, it, you had to push your way through it. So it was very interesting. And like you said, there were uh, turkeys, turkey kills in there. Like there was the remains of a bunch of turkeys, uh, some bones of something i don't know but it was almost like uh like a like an eating place like obviously something when when they would kill they would take everything back into this one locale and 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 eat yeah it definitely had that like to me it kind of seemed like almost like it was the perfect amount of shelter and security to be able to kind of eat or bed down or you know avoid other things moving through the woods in that area right you know just kind of hunker down in those areas not saying that you know bigfoot or anything like that but just even if i was out there hiking or camping and and needed somewhere to you know kind of take a break or something like that it was the perfect just spot in the middle of dense woods and laurel bushes you know to just just have that area and kind of break up the wind and stuff that would come through there Mm -hmm. you don't have the picture of the uprooted tree with all of us in front of it no i don't i don't well you could go to the sasquatch page it's on there uh in one of the albums and it's actually in the explorer seekers of the truth uh cover video yeah. Where there's a picture of me and Chad and Chad had his arm up on it's like this boulder that got stuck in the root of the tree when the tree had fallen over from the storm and we're standing next to it. I mean, it's just the, the, the root ring is, is huge. It dwarfs yeah. us. 
It looks like we're actually standing against like a dirt wall, but it's the bottom of a tree with a giant boulder in it. Yeah, that was, I think, uh, you, my brother, and my two nephews, I think there's a picture of all of you standing in front of it, and there's still dirt, like, roots past you with dirt in it and stuff like that. It was a huge tree. I mean, it was definitely over 12 foot high. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, so that was when Chad and I started doing a lot of research on the property. Um, And this is right before and which (laughs) was so like upsetting, too, because I'm getting all this activity. All this stuff is starting to happen. And of course, I'm with my, you know, my my investigate, not just my best friend, but my my right hand man when it comes to investigating uh then he moved to, to virginia shortly after that and all, all the <laughs> investigating kind of ceased for a while but uh we did go out um the one night and um i have a call blaster and i downloaded a lot of the supposed uh bigfoot calls that are out there like the sierra sounds and all that shit um so we had a bunch of s- sounds and uh ironically uh, melissa hovey actually had said to try uh, a baby crying, a human baby crying, which we we tried we tried that as well. Um, so we were in the 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 area of the woods uh, right before you get to where we found our tracks. There's we call it the meadow. There's like this little field kind of back in the middle of the forest, and it's all clear cut, so you could you could see. And we were in right right when you would come off the main trail into the meadow. Um, we kind of set up there kind of in the, in the shadows cause it was on a full moon cause we wanted to be able to see. And I, what was it like two or three o'clock in the morning or something like that? It was pretty late. Yeah, it was late. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And we went down there with the call blaster and you know, I was, we were like, all right, let's fire off some sounds. See what we get. Um, we didn't get much um, when we played the supposed sounds. But when we started playing like uh, coyotes, um, the baby crying, um, the the meadow would how how long do you think that would you say that would be like a hundred yards? Eh, maybe a little over a hundred. Maybe one hundred and twenty five, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, probably about one hundred and fifty. So about about that distance from us, down in the far corner of this meadow. Um, when we were doing the blasts it it looked like something was kind of coming in and out of the the tree line like poking itself out because chad and i would come out every now and again like we go we we'd do some blasts and we'd walk out of the shadows and kind of you know scan the field then we'd go back in and we were doing that and then there was something way down in the far end that we both kind of saw that was kind of peeping in and out every now and again, but we we couldn't we couldn't really uh, find anything conclusive. Show link show link for what for the other page. Here, I'll put it up again. It's in it's in the comments. I, I posted the link to the other page with pictures. I, I have it. I'll post it again. It's still on my areas. Yeah, that that time it, it was one of those things like it just reminded you of somebody like playing peekaboo with you, mm-hmm. like kind of 
coming like if this is a tree all of a sudden you just see something kind of and it would go back behind the tree and then it would look out a little bit and it would go back behind the tree now again this was a full moon so you had some pretty good visibility but at the same time i don't think either one of us wanted to run up and find out what was behind that tree <laughs> because oh, i think that's the time that we went out actually unarmed so i wasn't yeah. <laughs> really going to especially that late at night um yeah there was something i don't know what it was could it have been a branch yeah it could have been a branch but it, it didn't look like it it looked like a head and part of a shoulder kind of popping in and out kind of doing that peekaboo yeah. um do you want to talk about uh the time we went out when the snow was so ridiculously thick that we could barely make it. And we put that, uh, the fish out in that mesh bag. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the great time where we trudged through a foot and a half of snow from mm -hmm. the house. How far out did we go? Like in distance ideal. Probably two miles. Yeah. We trudged through a, and legitimately, it was a foot and a half of snow. There's a, I think there's some pictures on the, the Explorers page of, you know, walking and stuff like that, or us taking a break out by the uh, swing set out by the one pond. But we had, you know, hiked out a good ways out on that trail. And we started, you know, we put up some uh, trail cams and hung a, you know, what were they, tilapia fillets or something like yeah. that in like a mesh fruit bag and we hung it up and i how many weeks later did you go back oh god like probably two or maybe three yeah so we let the trail cams up and stuff like that and that was the time uh we got a very uh, i think we actually talked about it maybe last week or no 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 that wasn't that before. time that was that was later that was yeah that wasn't during the snow when we got that Oh, okay. So I'm trying to think of what I remember a picture of a squirrel and some deer. We had the deer that went through. We had the two squirrels that actually took the fish. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, we got that all on video. But the one the video we talked about with Linda, that was that was later. That was right before you moved. Okay. But on the so way back from is what i'm talking about with the remember when we were when we were going oh okay coming we were going back. to it and what you saw to the left first talk about well, when we we're first trudging through by the big pond that was actually i what i thought i saw was on the way back oh well okay you go you go on i thought it was on the way okay. in. go ahead you do you, you talk well we had walked out like we said and we were coming out through and on the way back in, it, it was just like a weird kind of, because of course you're trudging through snow and stuff like that. And it, it's, you just had that weird feeling mm -hmm. and, you know, we would stop every so often and stuff like that. And we got to a certain point on the trail and it was just a very odd sound, you know, and, you know, a lot of people talk about like, you know, infrasound and stuff like that. 
it was a sound that you legitimately would feel mm-hmm. the sound. Yeah. Yep. Like you're it, it it just resonated through your body. You know, I, I don't have an opinion one way or another on infrasound and, and stuff like that, but I felt and heard something that changed like how I felt at the moment. And it was almost do you remember it was almost like uh like a lion sound yeah it, it was like that just like a real that i'm butchering it it was really deep and like chad said you almost felt it in your chest it was like a yeah. like like bass in, in, in like when you have like a car with like the the systems in it you know what i mean and the bass like that reverberation it was really like we felt it in our chest when when this sound came and it was across the pond yeah and here's the thing we weren't walking next to each other Mm -mm. we were spaced out a good 15 foot from each other like les was up in front of me and i was behind him a little ways and we both just kind of got started getting out towards the end of the trail you know, where the ponds would be, and it, it just happened, like, the hit you, and, you know, we kind of stopped, and we were trying to figure out what it was. Could it have been a car somewhere down, you know, down the line, down the road somewhere, you know, revving up or something like that, but it was, it was just a, you know, we couldn't, we didn't hear a car coming, because it's in an area where, the roads are far enough off that you wouldn't have any contamination from light or anything like that. But yeah, occasionally you can hear a car coming down the roads, but you hear them come down the road and continue on past you. Right. This just was that sound and nothing. So we kind of were standing there for a little bit and kind of looking around and staying quiet to see if we could hear it again, see if it was, you know, something we're really trying to debunk what it was so we finally just kind of started moving again and we moved down around the pond and started heading back towards the house and there you know it's kind of the pond is kind of rimmed with some bushes and trees and stuff like that so we stop you know les is looking at the one pond and i'm looking back from where we came and there's like a little opening maybe two to three foot off the ground you know, just through the bushes. And we're standing there for a little while, and I saw something cross in front of that opening. Now, thicker legs than Les and I have, and, and, you know, we're pretty big guys. These legs would have been thicker, and they just, and it was just a a quick, like, cross in front of the space, and, and it was nowhere else to look to see like, oh, if you look a little bit further down here, you'll, you might see another glimpse of it. It was so dense and thick at that point. You just saw something cross in front of that space. And whatever it was, was very thick legged. And it wasn't a bear to me. It wasn't a bear. It wasn't a deer. I know how to spot deer in the woods and stuff like that. I've hunted since I was a kid. I grew up in a family of hunters. This was upright moving legs so bipedal walking Mm -hmm. and it just it it crossed over and i'm like dude 
dude, come here a second. And Les comes back over and I'm like, you see that? And I actually had my laser sight with me and I, I pointed out into the woods. I'm like, dude, do you see that opening right there? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I, I am almost positive. I just saw something walk in through that opening. And he's like, you know, was it a deer? Was it? I'm like, no, it was walking on two legs. It wasn't something walking where the torso came across it. It was something walking like this. And I'm not saying it was Bigfoot. Legitimately, could it have been somebody trying to play a prank on us? Possibly. Except for we don't post where we're going. We don't post that we're even going. We don't give people a heads up like, hey, we're heading out this weekend or, yeah, or we're, we're having usually, a camp out. It's usually we're texting back and forth. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know. Nothing. Just sitting around. Are you free? Can you get out tonight? Yeah. All right. Come on up. We'll go out. That's it. Yeah. There's no pre-planned, predetermined or nothing. Yeah. A lot of times it's we all have one of those moments where it's like, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, about this theory. And I, I kind of want to go out and scout around to see if we see any of the signs that match this. What are you doing? Well, I'm sitting here. The kids will be going to bed soon. You know, head on out. And we would, you know, grab the gear, hike out, you know, middle of the night, middle of the day, if the time was right, you know. And we would go out looking for specific signs that, you know, we we're, you know, thinking about, like, if, if it is a migratory animal, if it migrates through this area, it this you know it would cross through here at this type of years you know this time of year so we would be looking for you know okay if it's walking and this is where we found these tracks it's got to be walking through these trees or past this set of laurels or or through this so we would go out looking for hair or something like that that would you know kind of indicate something walking in those areas so it it legitimately could be a person pulling a prank or something like that but again, it goes back to you would have to be in the right place at the right time right. for us to see you. It's 150 acres just there, that property. It's not just 150 acres of woods. It's you know miles of woods and mountain. Mm -hmm. And you would have to be really lucky to for me to see you cross through that space because there's no guarantee I was going to stop. Yeah. You know, at that point, we had heard that sound and it physically felt it. We could have just as easily kept walking and just walked back to the house, got in the house and been like, OK, you know, good day. <laughs> and I could have hopped in my car and, you know, drove home. And I'll tell you, a couple of times when we would go out late at night and I'd mm -hmm. go to leave, like if I left that night, if I didn't like like stay over or anything like that. I would have the weirdest, like, walking to my car. And my car was only a couple, you know, feet from the house. But mm -hmm. I would have the weirdest, like, I would be looking around. And, of course, you know, you're out looking for something, you know, like Bigfoot or something like that, which could possibly be just a large bear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I which would always park. We had a lot of them out there. Yeah. I'd always park by that one apple tree. And I would just, mm -hmm. like like walk up the driveway with like a flashlight looking around the apple tree to make sure there wasn't a set of eyes looking back at me. Or I used I to turn jump. spotlights on and walk out with you. <laughs> yeah. I would jump in my car, start it up, 
throw on the headlights, sit there until it warmed up a little bit, and then just leave. Like, take yeah. off, like, down the driveway, like, okay, see you later, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it always had that, just that creepy, like, you're waiting to turn on your headlights and just see it standing there looking at you, whether it was a bear or a Bigfoot or whatever, or, you know, just somebody. You always just had that feeling like you're going to throw in your headlights and there's going to be some, something in front of your car. Yeah. But, yeah, I always had that out there. Like, you know, it was a nice area, great area to hike. I mean, we went out walking in that area. We took my dog out, which my dog does not move. <laughs> but she went out. We we drug her out there the one time and walked her through some of the woods and stuff like that. And it was fun. You know, but during the day, it was it was that fun just you know roam around you know it's bright and sunny out or even if you're in the wooded areas you know it's still that nice peaceful thing and then you'd start getting later in the evening dusk and, and late into the night and you'd have just some weird noises and you know all stuff that you know logically there's you know could be explanations for and stuff like that but some of it was just you know, it would just throw you off while you're out there. Like, yeah, that that sound we heard, I can't logically explain it, except for replicating other animals. And the problem is, the animal, like Les said, would be a lion. And yeah, we we should not have a lion in that part of Pennsylvania that is roaming the woods. <laughs> no, it just the like like I like like we were saying though that just like that that resonating bass because remember like we it both hit us in the chest and actually we both kind of stopped and we both got dizzy and and i i yeah. actually felt like i was gonna throw up yeah i had the like the inner ear like the um your equilibrium getting like thrown yeah. off and now i've had a lot of problems with my inner ears over the years i had you know ruptured an eardrum as a child and had tubes and stuff like that over the years but it was that like threw my balance off very like we we stopped for a good while standing yeah, yeah. like yeah, not had to compose ourselves almost yeah and and it's the thing of like neither one of us are necessarily big believers in the whole infrasound thing you know theory and stuff like that but yet experiencing something like that that we can't just write off to you know, and trying to write it off, like trying to figure out, could it have been a, you know, a motor being started up and that just the way we heard it sounded like this, but that doesn't explain the dizziness and the off feeling that our bodies were going through and the pressure that you actually felt in your chest when we heard it. Yeah. yeah it was, it was odd. Odd yeah. to say the most. But, uh, and not not soon after that, um, that's when you had moved, and uh, things kind of died down as far as going out researching. I I didn't do much on my own, and at that time I was just starting my business, and things changed. We had another we had another kid at the time, and it was just different. Um, but, um, I did go out with a friend of mine who's, uh, in law enforcement and he had a bunch of people with him too, that are kind of like-minded people. 
and we went out and again very close not as close as the track that chad found but very close to the trackway we did find this which kind of uh it was interesting it, it could have definitely been an overstep by a bear um but again it was another large track found near uh the same area we found all the others so um take it as you will but uh i i documented it all the same just because you know we were there and you know that was that um let's see so that was when i went out with those guys oh and this this is the the uh the, the what chad was saying we recorded some audio one night i was upstairs i had a really small room uh that was my home office at the time i was upstairs working it was i want to say around like between 12 and one o'clock in the morning um I was upstairs working because that's what I do. I'm always out in the middle of the freaking night. And uh, my wife was downstairs. Uh, both the kids had fallen asleep. They have these little fold-out bed sofa things. And uh, the kids used to, they would lay on them on the floor and they'd fall asleep watching a movie or whatever. And Leslie was downstairs uh, with the kids and... Uh, she was watching TV and she was working on something. I, I don't remember what she was working on. I don't know if she was doing work or what, but, uh, but anyway, she comes running upstairs and she's in a panic and I'm like, what's the matter? And she's like, you have to hear this. You have to hear this. And I'm like, what? And, uh, we, we go running into our room across the hall and open the window and I'm listening to this noise and, and I'll kind of take you through what she told me. Um, she was downstairs and she heard coyotes, which is not uncommon. We have coyotes all over the damn place out at that farm, and we would hear them nonstop. We never really heard them very close to the house, though. She heard them as if they were right outside the door, like right in the yard. She turned the spotlight on. She was trying to look, you know, to see if she could see them. But they were right out in the yard, and they sounded different than what they normally sound. And I, for whatever reason, I didn't hear them, and I don't know why. I Well, I do play music fairly loud while I'm working, so maybe I just didn't hear it over the music. But uh, she heard this sound, and she's freaking out. And she, you know, she's like, oh, I heard the coyotes. Then they, they all of a sudden just stopped. Then she's like, I kept hearing this noise. And it would go over and over and over and i know what coyotes sound like and this was just off um by the time and you know the thing that sucks is i have a bionic ear in my gear box which was in my basement and the bionic ear was in the bottom of that box you never have the damn thing out and ready when you need it so when when this happened again i was working i wasn't investigating i wasn't out squatching or anything whatever you want to call it i was working so i wasn't anticipating anything but she comes up and she's freaking out and all i had was my cell phone so i quick pulled out my cell phone went to the the voice memo thing to try and record and i was able to get it now keep in mind the sound was coming from a distance and the direction that I heard the sound coming from would put it probably right where we keep finding these tracks. Cause it sounded like it was that far out. Um, I was only able to catch like 
two or three decent sounds and then it had stopped after i recorded that um we she left the spotlight on so i'm just kind of sitting there listening and you could hear something moving in the tree line just right outside of where the light was falling so you could hear something moving around and i mean after a while it just kind of stopped and i had to go back to work because a client was waiting on a project i was working on so i had to get it done and plus it was late and i was getting tired so i'm like all right look nothing else is happening uh keep your ears open if you hear anything else let me know she didn't hear anything after that but i'm gonna play the audio for you and i hope it works and i apologize if it doesn't bear with me <coughs> was it <laughs> like i said i'm sorry i had to really enhance the audio because it was far away and i was using a cell phone i'm going to try playing it again so if you listen you could hear like maybe four kind of like a woo, woo. i mean there's a there's a pause between each one but it was very distant but if you were there, it was very loud, uh, but the cell phone didn't pick it up very well. But And it was very different from the coyotes. I'm going to play it again. I need to try it again because I, I I turned the volume up on the phone. Maybe that'll help. Were you able to hear it, Chad? Like, yeah, I could hear it. All right, let me. I mean, I can try it one more time. That's it. Like I said, it was just a few I caught at the end, uh, but that was really weird. Um, so I, I don't want to. We're, we're we're getting pretty late into the show here, uh, and I don't want to drag it on too long. Um, but after that, we didn't really experience much. I did go, uh, and, and here's some just to give you guys kind of an idea. There, there's a gentleman that lived across the way from us in the farm across the street. Um, he's like a third or fourth generation living in that property in the, in the area. And he had told me that um, 
he as well as other family members had experienced um what they could say could be possibly bigfoot activity uh he's um had his dogs spooked when they're out walking something was in the creek bed and it spooked the dogs uh he and he would always catch a glimpse of something but not a conclusive he was out hunting the one time and he heard something running around uh um and he, he's kind of a believer himself. Um, I did have another person from a farm further down the way say that, you know, they're a believer. They had uh, stuff happen on their property that, you know, made them think that there was uh, a Bigfoot. Um, also, another farm even further down, uh, maybe about three miles down the road, um, a girl, um, and ironically, her parents and her older sister used to live in the property that I was living in when they were young uh but then they bought a, a farm down down the way she said the one time she was out with um her brother they were out playing in the snow and they were playing hide and seek and her brother was hiding and she was looking for him and she said she saw what you know like a trackway and um she went over to follow the tracks because they thought it was she thought it was her brother and she said when she looked down they were huge footprints that looked like a person's footprint um, kind of came out of the woods into the yard, a few feet went maybe 10 or 10, 10, 12 tracks cut back into the woods and went deeper into the woods. And she said she got really upset because she thought her brother was pulling a prank on her. They were really young at the time. And uh, she goes running into the house and her brother was in there with her mom. And she started yelling at him, you know, why'd you do that? And he's like, do what? She goes, why did you make those tracks? Why did you try and trick me? And he's like, what tracks? She's like, the tracks outside, the footprints. And he's like, I didn't I didn't do that. And she said that they just kind of went in the, the woods. They didn't follow them in or anything. But she said she was kind of upset with her brother because she thought it was him, but also kind of freaked out because it wasn't him. And, you know, she didn't know what made them. So the more I talk to people of the surrounding areas, the more I find out that there's more going on than people let on. And to kind of stray from the Bigfoot angle, I was told that long, long, long time ago, there was a house that three women had lived in. I don't know if they were three sisters or what, but everybody referred to them as the three witches. That like, whenever people would go past their houses or whatever, they'd always like spat out like curses or hexes. They'd always threaten people with curses. Um, supposedly when one of them died, they were having a, a wake for her at a neighboring house. And um, I'm, I may be getting this wrong, but I want to say that somebody said something about the one woman or something and a broom that was in the corner of the room shot across the room and landed on the other side of the room. Um, also, and I don't know how true this is, but I also heard that there used to be a cabin um in the woods across the street from where my farm was, where my, the, the neighbor, the neighbor's farm is um, back behind his property, there's farm fields. And then there was a section of woods and there was a cabin out there. And supposedly um, there was an old, uh, there was like an old black hermit that used to live out there. And he, and he never bothered anybody and everybody, nobody ever bothered him. But the one day somebody was out hunting and, they happened upon his shack they snooped around he wasn't home and they went inside and supposedly now now keep in mind 
well, supposedly they found heads, the heads of the decapitated heads of kids. Some of them were decayed. Some of them were partially decayed. Now keep in mind though, that not far from there is a cemetery. So was he like uh, a slave that came from the South and had, you know, ties to some voodoo or something? I, I don't know. Cause he, he lived very secluded. Did he maybe rob the graves, you know, and used it for whatever purposes he seemed fit. I don't know. Is that story even true? I don't know. But it was just weird because, like I said, that property is very creepy. And then I come to find out that the house that the witches lived in was actually on the property that I lived on. I don't know if it was the same exact house, but it was on the property that I lived on. So it kind of solidifies how I always felt weird on that property. And I found this out years later. I mean, actually, after I had left the house um i found out all this so i mean it's not like i knew about it and it made me feel weird living there i never knew about that until after i was gone so there's a lot of weird uh connections a lot of weird history to that area so and that that's that's it in a nutshell that's that's our story of or our you know story of our encounters and everything so we call that squatch on the farm I don't know if it was a Bigfoot. I'm not saying it was a Bigfoot, but whatever was going on out there was pretty damn weird. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, one of the things. I I would never say it was a Bigfoot, like Les said earlier, until I actually physically see it. You know, but a lot of weird things, a lot of strange occurrences. That whole valley um, is very rich in a lot of stories of you know and a lot of people that live out in that valley have lived there for you know family wise for a few generations and when you start to talk to these people i i actually know somebody that lives a little bit further out from les's place um i didn't know Les's where less was his house was at the time i had just been talking to a guy at work and i was like oh yeah you know i have a buddy that lives out that way somewhere and he's like oh well, you know, I live down this, you know, down off the road over here, you know, there's this, and then I live back in there. My whole family lives in different houses back there. And we were actually talking by a trash compactor at a private gated community. Uh, We were doing the security, my family's company was doing the security for, so we every night would have to run the trash compactor. And occasionally there would be a bear in the trash compactor. When you pulled up, you'd see bags flying out of it. And him and I were talking the one, you know, day and he's like, well, he goes, the bears don't bother me too much. He goes, the thing I saw down at my, you know, down on my, my house, he's like, that bothered me. And I I looked at him and his name was Nelson. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And I'm like, well, you'd be pretty much surprised what I what I'm capable of believing. He's like, I I I think I saw Bigfoot. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I I don't necessarily I, I don't disagree with the possibility that there is such a thing as Bigfoot. So he starts telling me the stories and his you know his dad had you know lived grew up in that area and had, his dad had seen stuff out there 
you know, hunting and stuff like that, they would see, you know, strange, larger than normal, you know, through like, you know, areas passing through, they would see something bigger than, you know, a person, but not a bear, not walking with the body being horizontal, being upright, you know. So that was somebody that I had, you know, worked with that actually lived down the road from Les's place. I, at that point, I didn't know exactly where Les's was. And he told me flat out, he's like, I think I saw Bigfoot. Same valley, same area, you know, maybe four miles away from Les's place at the time. So, you know, definitely a very, very weird valley. Um, a lot of interesting area up there. And like I said earlier, some of that valley and mountains, you you cross over in any direction, you could walk 25, 30 miles in, you know, relatively dense woods mm-hmm. and completely never hit a town. And away a lot of the mountain runs and stuff like that, you could pretty much navigate around any towns or cities for a lot even further than 25 or 30 miles if you knew where you were going and you know we're moving with the gps and stuff like that so it's definitely an interesting area and i i have a feeling we'll be doing some more follow-ups this summer in that area oh, yeah. and just you know getting out there getting some video and stuff mm-hmm. but you we know it is that... go ahead i'm sorry go ahead. no, uh, no I was just go ahead say, we, we do have that uh one location um uh I don't want to give away the the where it is exactly. All, all I can say is between where I live now and where I used to live, um, we have been getting some reports. That, I'm also the Eastern coordinator for the Keystone Bigfoot Project. Uh, we get a lot of reports come in. I actually followed up on one in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, uh, just a few days ago. Um, but we get a lot of reports. The ones that I pay particular attention to are the ones that are close to my house, uh, which Jim Thorpe is, but I mean, very close. I'm talking about um, Chad and I have been planning on doing a weekend long outing out of this certain area. I go out hiking out there with my dog all the time just to scout it out. Um, and the one time I was going out there, uh, it was by the old uh, Weatherly Reservoir. And uh I was walking past the reservoir and I'm, I'm, you know, just maybe 30, 40 yards from where it was. And I'm cruising along, just walking me and my dog. And I get a whiff of this smell. And it was kind of like a sulfury, uh, kind of mixed with like, uh, and, and it, I don't mean to be offensive, but like an old man's armpit, like really bad body odor. Like, <laughs> this is gonna sound horrible, it, but it was like like pits and crotch, like and sulfur. It was just this foul smell, and a lot of the reports that I've read and 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 have you know interactions with people. A lot of times, that's what they describe uh, the uh, the smell to be like when they have a Bigfoot encounter. Is either wet dog. Or sulfury eggy bo, I think Seawood had said that too, didn't he? Yeah, he's like, I like so. take that, you know, uh, 
a stinky person, a stinky homeless person, and multiply it by a thousand or something. Yeah. But uh, there was there was um, something that popped in my head about the audio we had played, and I know we were trying to wrap this up because I have to get up early. Yeah. Uh, there was actually audio recorded in Australia. <clears throat> that has a lot of similarities to the audio less recorded there in Pennsylvania. We actually sent it to a group in Australia for them to kind of, you know, do some comparison to the sounds that they had, you know, captured down there. And it, it, it's not a dead on, but when I heard their audio, I'm like, why are they playing less as audio? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and like, no, they're they're just playing less as audio, and then I, you know, it was a little cleaner and stuff like that. So I'm thinking, okay. And then they said where they actually recorded, and they gave the name of the guy who recorded it. He's not some famous, you know, cryptozoologist. He's some guy in Australia that had an experience in an area where he was hunting and hiking, and. You know, I sent it to Les. I'm like, dude, this sounds to me sounds so similar to what you have. And he played it and he's like, yeah, kind of, yeah, the here and there, there's some stuff definitely that's similar. You know, so we actually sent it to them and they were doing some, you know, comparison noise and stuff like that. Of course, the audio version we have, again, like Les said, was from his cell phone. So it's not crystal clear like some of the audio this guy's recording. He's using some high end you know, um, recording equipment out in the woods, but it's definitely an interesting, you know, audio clip. Um, but I'd like to thank my co-host Les for doing such a great show tonight. He kind of took the ball, you know, a lot more Bigfoot than I am. And he had a lot more experiences out in that area. So I'd also like to thank you guys, the audience for coming along on the trip. Mm-hmm. So Les, anything you got for him? No, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, like like we said before, Chad and I are planning on hitting that location where I used to live pretty heavy this summer, I'm hoping, and a couple yeah. other spots that are neighboring it uh, I really want to put a lot of attention to because I've been finding stuff recently as I've been going out because I go out squatching with my dog since my best friend left me. So uh, I, I have Rocket the Wonder Pup to, to be my squatch buddy. But uh, we'll we'll keep everybody posted on what we find, if anything. Uh, we got a lot of paranormal stuff lined up for over the summer as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, like Chad said, thank you everybody so very much for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, you know, your your kind words are are very much appreciated in the comments and whatnot. So thank you very much for listening and hanging out. And Chad, as always, my best friend, my co-host. Have a good one, buddy. And I'll talk to yeah. you later. Um, next week, are we gonna? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Don't forget. Go ahead. Uh, you know, next week we'll actually have a very special guest on Andy McGrath, uh, author of Beast of Britain. We had him booked a few months ago, and we had you know we took a week off. We had some stuff come up. Yeah. So yeah. we will have him next week. As always, you can reach us you know on our website at www explorersgroup.com or on twitter at explorers group or on facebook at explorers group backslash never mind that would be <laughs> explorers group. yeah that well, would be it. on itunes too so if you guys want to take us with you on the road yeah. we're on itunes Just and always on iTunes you know, and, and search explorers secrets of the yeah. truth 
and feel free you know to share the show around if you like it if you you know something that may be interesting you know mm-hmm. share it to them we'll we'll we greatly appreciate it so you know as always we will see you guys next week same <coughs> you know time 8 30 thursday night until then have a great week good night everyone <laughs>